welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. I'm really excited. I'm joined today by Dr. John DeGarmo. He is a parenting expert, foster parent. He's also adopted children as well. He's a media personality. What don't you do, Mr. Mr. John? <laughs> I don't do hair very well. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. This is an important topic and one that's dear to my heart. I'm actually on the board of a nonprofit called Community, um, sorry, Creative Community Services, which caters to foster parents and uh, adults with developmental disabilities. So this is a, 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 an issue that's dear to my heart. And so I'm happy to have a discussion today. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you. Can you share a little more about you? Just some insight, where you're from, your background, how'd you get into foster parenting and and, um, and taking that step to become an adoptive parent. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, I never really planned on being a foster parent, never considered it at all. Um, it, wasn't after until, it wasn't until after the death of my first child from a condition called anencephaly that, that um, I realized how, how precious the gift of life was. Sure and, uh, and then I was teaching in a very, very rural high school setting. And I noticed a lot of kids coming to my classroom who had lots of issues of academics and behavior and attendance. And I approached my wife and said, hey, you know, we lost our first child. Uh, how, about, how can we help out these other kids who are, who are in need? Because I noticed that, the, um, that the, uh, the, one, the one main constant with all those kids in my classroom was the home, the home environment, the lack of parenting. Mm -hmm. So that led to foster parenting. That led to over 55 kids in our home. That led to um, the adoption of three children and, and really devoting all of my life to helping children and families in need. Okay, so you just kind of glossed over that amazingly significant statistic point. 55 children have come through your home. Yes. That's, over, incredible. Yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible. Over how many years? Oh, uh, 16 years now. Wow. So now, so now that, and it, 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 obviously it's a huge sacrifice. How did you, so, you, so I'm, I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your child. Do you have your own biological children? Yeah, I've got three of my own biological. I've adopted three. We've had four adoptions that failed, four failed adoptions. So I, I understand that how that works as well. Uh, but yeah, three biological, three adoptive. But you know what? There are no labels in our household. We don't, we don't label them as a foster or adoptive or a biological. They're all our kids. Every one of them is a member of our family. I love that. So, but, so do you have to do some kind of uh, prep with your, with your biological children? So, when, so what do you do? So, so you're, you have your existing family and then there's a prospective um, adopted child or, or a foster, foster child uh, to come to the home. So do you, is, there, is there a certain conversation you have with your children that are already there and say, this is, is going to be a new addition? Like what, how, do you prep, how do you prep the kids? <laughs> you know, uh, my oldest was 21 and we've been doing it for about 16 years. So for oh, wow. my kids, it's their norm. It yeah. is their normal environment. Um, for good or for bad. Uh, yeah, sure. We sit, my wife and I sit down with our kids and we explain to them, you know, 
the, uh, the, the phone call that usually comes about a child in need and, and we give them some of the background information of the child and we ask our kids, you know, how do you feel about this? And, and most times our kids are like, yeah, sure, dad, whatever, because they've been doing it for so long. Again, it's their norm. Um, and sometimes it can be a really, really wonderful, wonderful experience. I really hope that my children learn the importance of, of helping other people, of serving others, of putting other people before them. I love that, and you're and you're definitely that um, showing that example of what what you can do to put others before you. So that's that's really um, amazing to have that experience where you're actually looking where, where you you worked in an environment, you noticed that there was great need, and you took the next step. So you know, like I'm, I'm going to just call myself out here. So I you know I worked in a, in a in a, an area with a high needs area, recognized that there are kids that are in need. So I, I you know I did I took steps to help out, but that's a huge step to literally disrupt your life and kudos to your wife for accepting for doing that as well so so of course you don't regret it but 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 for people that are listening who are kind of on the verge or are just like on the brink of making that decision what would you say to them yeah you know it is it is a life of sacrifice if you will um, because we don't live a normal a foster parent does not live a normal lifestyle when you're bringing children into your home who have really needs uh, they're suffering from anxiety they're suffering from abuse Right now, there's a huge problem with the opiate crisis and, mm -hmm. and human trafficking. And these where these children are from so many mm -hmm. times. Uh, yeah, sure, it's hard. It's challenging. But, but, uh, forget all that. It is the most rewarding thing I've yeah. ever, ever done. Every child has made me a better person in some way. That is beautiful. I love that. I really, really love that. And, and, and very inspiring as well. Yes. Very inspiring. So, so, and, and so in terms of, and, I, and just because I'm on the board of a nonprofit I, I, for this particular issue, I know that that is one uh, stigma, if you will, that, that, that unfortunately children have, that they're coming with all this baggage and it's going to be a nightmare and what do you do and yada, yada, yada. And um, what would you say to that? Sure. I, you know what? I had those misconceptions too. Before I was a foster parent, I had those same misconceptions too. But I would say this, it's wrong. These are just children who have suffered such abuse and are suffering and all they want all they want is for someone to say i will protect you i will care for you i will love you unconditionally and and you know that's beautiful i i love that and so you actually take this um your message across the country and, and probably all across everywhere the world i guess so can you can you share like what do you do when when somebody invites you for a keynote um, or, or, you, or you're asked to speak on these issues, what, what do you talk about? Oh my goodness, lots of things. Uh, I might talk about, I was just in, just came back from Massachusetts where I spoke about grief and loss for foster parents. Because what some of you don't understand is this, is that as a foster parent, uh, yeah, foster parents suffer from feelings, very big, strong feelings of loss and grief. You know, people say all the time, Dr. John, I couldn't do what you do. It hurt too much to get the kids back. And I say, well, that's how it's supposed to be. My heart is supposed to break for this child because I might be the only person who has ever cried for that child, who's ever had that heart broken for that child, because I've loved that child so unconditionally. So, um, so I talk about that. I talk about issues of uh, social media and online technology dangers that these children face, mm -hmm. and trafficking, um, so many issues, so many issues regarding foster care and, and parenting, if you will, as well. Wow, that's incredible. So, um, and you also have a book on this issue? I have quite a few. Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Oh, I, I, okay, sorry. Can you, can you share a couple? I, I only saw 
the one. I apologize. Sure, I've got uh, my ninth book comes out uh, next spring. I've got a book. Your ninth book. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Congratulations, that's amazing. Uh, my two most recent are the Foster Care Survival Guide and uh, Faith and Foster Care. Those are my two most recent ones. I love that. And so this is a diversity conversation that matters uh, for a couple of reasons. Now, uh, the, the first one is that um, people don't realize uh, if you're an educator, even when you go to work, that there are people who are coming to your jobs, to your colleagues that don't have a place to stay and they're homeless and they have children who are also homeless and kind of, you know, also just kind of not being able to function properly and, and, and people don't realize that if you don't pay attention to that, you, 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 can, you can miss those, those, those signals and, and an opportunity to help out. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the opiate crisis. So many families right now, it's, a, it's an absolute crisis across America. So many families are, these parents, these adults are suffering from opiates and they're ending up homeless. They're ending up in hospitals, they're ending up incarcerated, maybe even dead. Where did these children go? As That's right. And they're going into a foster care system that quite frankly is overwhelmed with a large number of children coming in because there are not enough good, healthy foster parents out there. Not enough people will say, you know what, I'll, I will care for these children. So um, it, it's, a, it's a real challenge right now. Wow. So, so back to the grief part. So I, 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 and I know I'm just thinking about the barriers that, that some people have in terms of taking that next step, because I know, for, I know myself too, that I can see myself if I decided to become a foster parent, which I've contemplated many times, that I would get attached. I would really, really, and that's not a bad thing, um, but, but to think about the child moving on after you've just given your heart and just like, it, it, is, it is a loss in essence, even though you didn't give birth to the person, it, it's, it's still a loss. So that's got that's to be very trying. And, so, and how, do, how do people respond to that? Like, how do you, how do you approach that? Is it, is, just, is it just like any other type of grief that you approach it? Well, you know, the end goal of foster care is reunification. Reunification between the birth parents or the biological family members and the child. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can be wonderful and glorious. So when a child does go back home or is reunified, that can be wonderful and great because a family is healed. Those birth parents who are suffering in their own way. True. Sure have healed in some way. So that can be great. But sure, it is hard for lost parents. Yeah, yeah, I cry. <laughs> you know, I cry a lot. Buckets, yeah. rivers. Um, but you know what? I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that because I know that for that time in that child's life when he needed someone to just give all of their heart. Yes. Um, that's what they need. They need that. And, and so I'm, I'm sure while I'm in grief, I also appreciate the fact that this child, um, I, I've been able to, help this child, help this child heal and fill a void in this child's life during a very, very important part in this time. I love that. And then, and also vice versa, I'm sure the child also feels a, a loss as well. Oh yeah, sure. Once again, leaving, leaving what they know as a stable environment and then going back to an environment that was actually unstable to begin with that made them have to leave there in the first place. And then the anticipation of, okay, is this going to be different? Is going to be, what am I going back to? So there's got to be a lot of psychological trauma on part of the child more so than I would say the foster parent. There can be if a child is returned to an environment that is not healthy. Um, sure, there can be. But, you know, we've had a lot of foster, of our own former foster kids reach back out to us, and so many of them are, are still in our life now. Oh, beautiful. We have some who are now adults and are now working. Um, we even have one who has a child and with the grandparents for them. Oh, that is um, beautiful. Yeah, wonderful. So our family just continues to extend. And, and mm -hmm. just I love that. I love that. So let's, let's talk about uh, another diversity conversation. 
um, the race aspect, because you, kudos to you, some people, when, when, when it's, it's one thing to, to adopt, adopt or, or, and, or, or foster parent um, children, but to take that next step and to actually go across racial lines, cultural lines, which you've done, that's also a huge thing. So how do you, was that a discussion with your wife beforehand? Um, does, it, does it matter? Did it matter for you? And, and, and what is it like? I see <laughs> there was no discussion. It didn't matter. This is our child. We love this child. Uh, in my house, there's, as I said, there's no labels. There's also no labels in regards to white or black. We, 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 my, both my wife and I believe that we are all the same color, just different shades of God's skin, if you will. Mm. You know, and people will say to me, you know what, they'll, they'll say to me, are they your kids? I say, yep, I just have, you know, really recessive genes. Or uh, people say, are your kids mixed? They say, no, nope, they're fully human. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I, I really love don't. That. I, I don't like labels because labels divide people. Mm -hmm. It's a divisive society as it is. So when people continue to put labels on us, um, I just think it further, further divides. So these are all my children. There was no, there was no discussion about this whatsoever because it just seemed natural. You know, I loved these children and I couldn't imagine giving them up. Um, one of them came to us at five days of age. Uh, one came to us at 27 hours old. One came to us at 18 months old. All had suffered um, some type of abuse or, or trauma or born with addicted drugs. And it just happened to be that their parents, uh, their, their parental rights were terminated because they, they were not able to, to go through the, the process to get their kids back. So when they went up for adoption, you know, of course, there was no question that we would adopt these children. That's lovely. And then so when you come back with that quick, I can see you're very quick. When you come back with those quick resp responses to people, how do they react? How do they? Oh, I get lots of questions. I get lots of stares. People stare at us all the time. I, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. But you know and, what? Yeah. And you really don't. I don't let it bother me. I feel sad for. I feel sad for the person. Uh, and I feel, you know, I, I also have concern for my own children. But for me, I just understand. I understand that that's where society is right now. Um, you know, so, so part of what I try to do is to bring awareness to people that, you know what, families, family, can, in, in 2018 and the 21st century, family comes in all different shapes and sizes and colors. Sure and does. So the definition of family can be so very, very broad. I love that. I love that. And so let's talk a little more about society. We had a one initial conversation um, when we first introduced through, through Hank. Um, Norman and I just wanted to just talk about that but so what so right now we are and, and not necessarily political but right now we're we're at a time where there are there are immigrants that are coming to the country who are being separated as they come here they're being separated by the by their birth parents and you know regardless of politics that is the, my opinion that's creating that's creating trauma for, for children unnecessarily so let's just talk about just just broadly um, how do we, in our own little communities, in our own little enclaves, how do we challenge what's happening? How do we challenge this divisiveness, as, as, as you said, and as I agree with? What, what, what can we do? What would you say we should do? Well, you know, it's an interesting topic. My wife is not an American citizen. Hmm. I lived, my wife's from Australia. She came through here. She is a permanent resident. She went through the entire process. I lived in a foreign country for four years. I lived in Australia for four years and I was never a citizen there. So my wife and I have a, a, a different perspective than if you will. Um, absolutely, there's a problem. Those children are suffering trauma. It is 
it is tremendous. You know, let's look at it as a foster parent. When a child is placed in my home, when they're taken away from their birth mother, the birth father, despite all of the abuse they may have suffered, and some of the kids have suffered incredible abuse in my house, despite all of that, when they come to my house, they're scared. They're frightened. Of course. They don't want to be in the house. Even though I'm going to protect them from all that harm, they don't want to be there because it's not their norm. I'm not their daddy at the end of the day. My, my house, my stability, my structure, my consistency, my, all my opportunities in my home, it's not normal for them. And they right. are absolutely terrified. So I have to surround these children with a great amount of love, compassion, patience, time, understanding. So for these children who are, who are coming across the border illegally with their birth parents and are being taken away or separated, if you will, yeah, that's a very, very scary time for those children. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and, and I, and I, re I really, I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I'm not a policymaker in that regard, but I, I just, I, I wonder if there's a different way to do it. I wonder if there's a different way to handle the situation, because I just, uh, the, the long-term trauma, I, I can't even imagine. Right, I wonder if there's a different way to handle it as well. But for those children right now who are in that situation, they have to be, they've got to be surrounded in, in support systems and resources and unconditional love. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and what is your definition, Dr. John? What is, what is unconditional love? People use that, use that all the time. What is unconditional love to you? You know, I've had a lot of kids come through my home who are resistant to my wife and I, who put up shields, who may even say a lot of harmful, hurtful things to my wife and I, my family, uh, and abusive things to us because they don't want to be there and they're suffering from their own pain. And that's just to, you know, to love it despite. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter who you are, we will love you without boundaries. Mm, I love that. And I'm sure you've seen. Okay. For a lot of people, that's for a lot of people that's hard to understand. You know, unconditional love is all about forgiveness and acceptance. Yes, I totally agree with you. And then, and then to your point, um, you know, I actually worked in a, in a shelter for street youth for some years before I started teaching, and and um, a lot of these kids also have learned to have to to they protect them they protect themselves, and sometimes they don't know yes. who. Who's, the, who's going to hurt them or violate them and who's going to be on their side. So, so it's easier just to have this protective barrier and that protective, and by extension, that, that, that protective barrier is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to scream at you, I'm going to, I'm going to yell at you, I'm going to make you hate me, that way I don't have to take the risk of letting you in and making, and making, and making you hurt me again. So, so it's, um, it's, it's, very, it's, it's a fascinating, it's really fascinating um, experience, I'm sure, to, to have that with, 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 with children. Yeah, so yeah I love is... Ahead, love is very, very healing. Unconditional love can be very, very healing. And for many children, it takes a long time for them to trust you mm -hmm. and accept that love. Yes. And then, so is there, is there, is there any um, minimum amount of time that, that, that a child is placed in your home? Or, or, or how, long did, how long does it take for, say, the state, for example, to, to figure out, you know what, um, that child can, go back, can, now, can now safely go back to their, to their home? Is there a well, you know, no, it's different for every child. On average, a child in foster care is in foster care system, on average, 18 months. For some kids, it's much shorter. Oh, wow. For some kids, it's longer. 
I've had kids in my house from as, as little as one day to as long as two years. So, you know, it, it's different for every child and every child comes to our home um, with different expectations as well. Some will gravitate towards us right away and begin to trust us right away. Some will hold us off um, at arm's length and put those walls in between us, those emotional walls to protect themselves. And it may be a very long time before we're able to show that child that um, you can trust us, we're not gonna hurt you. Wow, that's incredible. Well, I really, really admire uh, the work that you're doing and uh, Thank you to you and your wife and just um just 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 stepping in where people are, where, where kids are needed and it's and it's and there are a lot of kids that are, that that need homes at this very minute yeah yeah I, I would agree with you you know we just came back from um we just my wife and I just came back from Walt Disney World we have this nonprofit we call a happy childhood where we bring children from the foster care system to Disney World to allow them to escape all of their abuse, their trauma, their anxiety. Sorry, the, the connection is, sorry, the connection is. Sorry, Dr. John. I call it Disney therapy, and we've seen some children laugh for the very, very Sorry, Dr. John, can you repeat that? The, the um, signal got a little crazy. So I heard um, a, a happy childhood taking children to uh, Disney World, and can you can you right, right. sure sure and we have we have we surround them in an environment where they're able to leave behind all of their abuse and their traumas and their anxieties and even the label of being a foster child and we have seen some children learn how to smile for the very first time or learn how to laugh the very first time we call it Disney therapy if you will so it's wow. a really fun nonprofit organization that we uh, we love to do and it's just a way of healing the child and healing the, the birth parents as well because when the birth parents see their own child a part of their own pain and guilt or grief will heal as well because yes. for so many of these birth parents so many people who abuse children they're suffering from their own pain they Absolutely. have been abused or hurt in some way two, two of the three girls that I've adopted are third generation foster care which means wow birth and grandparents were also in foster care, and it's just generational. Wow. And then, so, and, and so how do you break that cycle? You pray. <laughs> you just pray, and uh, well, we've adopted those two, so we, we're just praying that we break the cycle. You know, we surround them with all the resources, the, all the services they need, all the services they need, um, and, and just pray that we do it. That's they it. are now... Yeah, they're eight and five, so they've been with us for quite some time. Um, but it's 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 a struggle, sure. Yeah. And that's a and that's a that's an, a very impressionable age. So hopefully, what you're doing there will stick and 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 definitely just um, change that whole family dynamic that's that's been going on for generations. Incredible, right. incredible. So the name of your nonprofit is called A Happy Childhood. That's correct. Yes. Is, is is there a website that people can go to and make donations, or how how can people reach you and contribute to what you're doing? You can just, you can find me by Googling the Foster Care Institute okay. uh, or Dr. John DeGarmo. And uh, there's a link to a happy childhood on that website, or you can just Google a happy childhood foster care. And our website will come up for that as well. I love that. And I love what you're doing. And it's, it's, it's been so great to finally connect with you and, and uh, speak to you in person.
No, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for being an advocate. Thank you for bringing awareness to this. And I want to thank you for all the help that you've done for children and families in need. Thank you, John. I thank, sorry, thank you, Dr. John. I appreciate that. I, um, again, it's, a, it's, it's important. And, and it, it, it literally breaks my heart to see children that, um, that don't have a home and don't have the love and what they need. And um, I, I'm, I'm doing my part in my own little way. Well, you know, if only more people did, because in, it, it's ha there's child abuse in every single community. That's right. The, there's child sex trafficking in every single community in our nation. And it's time as a nation that we wake up and, and recognize that there is a real mission field right where we live. Wow. That there's a real what? Can you repeat that? Repeat that? A real mission field, if you will, in mission our neighborhoods. Field. In every neighborhood. You said mission yeah, field. Mission field, yeah. Mission what, what, field. What, what, yes. What is that? A mission field. You know, church, faith-based groups go on a mission. If oh, you want, I maybe see. to other countries, right? Like there, there's a mission all around us. Okay, okay, I love that. I love that. So, so I love to your point. People assume that you, when you do, when you go, you do, when you go on the missions, there's always abroad. When you can actually just do your missions right here in your own communities, in your own backyards. Right, right. And then it's helping children and families in need right where you live. I love that. Well, I appreciate so much you coming on the show today. Thank you so much again. And thanks again, uh, Dr. John DeGarmo, the Foster Care Institute. And uh, if you like what you've heard today, please go to uh, the iTunes page and write a comment. You can also re reach out to me and uh, share your thoughts and also to Dr. John DeGarmo. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Take care.